0: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com
2: slash recommend today. And the spot is the ben Goliver is a national NBA writer for the Washington Post. We love getting a chance to talk to him. He joins us now. First off, Ben, thank you for the time. And second off, man, does it feel like the hits keep on coming for the Memphis Grizzlies. What what do you make of what's happened here, really, since last weekend, and what could still happen here to the Grizzlies in terms of falling off from a position they once were in, number two in the West? Uh, considering all things, man, where they are now, it's 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 kind of crazy around here right now, Ben. Well,
1: there's that Jay Z song, "It Was All Good," just a week ago. Kind of feels <laughs> like that, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's amazing how many kind of body blows they're taking, you know, left and right. I mean, of course, the John Morant situation looms over everything, and it kind of creates this uncertainty. Everybody's in purgatory. How long is he going to be out? Is there going to be punishment from the league? I mean, is he going to be back in time for the playoffs? And Those are huge questions. And the players can try to say as often as they want, that's not a distraction, but it's natural for everybody that that would be a distraction. You have this Steven Adams, Adams news, you know, potentially he's out for the regular season. You're trying to work him back. He's such a key player to what they're trying to do, really on both ends, kind of an underrated offensive player a really quality defensive player. And the Brandon Clark news is like the punch to the gut, right? I mean, is, is there any guy in the league who makes more out of his minutes, you know, consistently brings energy, finds ways to uh, help positively, uh, super high-efficiency player, uh, great fit with John Moran. Those two guys together make an awesome pairing with the Lobs and everything else. So it's it's tough, and, and I feel for the remaining Grizzlies players. None of them asked for this, right? But you know, I saw him a couple of times in L.A., you know, that Late in that fourth quarter against the Clippers, they just didn't have enough guys, right? You give up a 24-2 to run because you don't have enough firepower there late in that game. And then against the, uh, the Lakers, it was a similar deal. They just felt outmatched, and that's not what we're used to with this Grizzlies team. I mean, it's been such a coherent group, uh, such a potent group, uh, especially earlier in the season. And right now, they don't look like themselves.
0: So a game like tonight. You know, on on one hand, it's it's like, oh, now you get the Warriors to try to, you know, fight your way out of this. But on the other, isn't this like the perfect, you know, scenario to, to get out of it? I mean, it's a game you're going to get up for. It's your first game back at home. Like, how do you sort of assess the the spot for the Grizzlies tonight?
1: So it's a great way to look at it. I mean, the Golden State Warriors are the Harlem Globetrotters when they're in San Francisco, when they're the Washington Generals yeah. everywhere else. I mean, this team has had the biggest swing between home performance and road performance that we've really seen a, of any quality team in recent NBA history. So this is a golden opportunity to get a much-needed win. And I think what Taylor Jenkins was saying after the games in Los Angeles was he was really happy with the the effort level, the, the, the work level uh, from his players, the focus, you know. I think that given all these body blows, some teams might check out. Some players might check out. They might say, well, you know what? This isn't going to be our year. We're not going to be able to put this thing together. Uh, the adversity would sort of overwhelm them. We didn't really see uh, that a lot from the Grizzlies. It was more about missing John Morant's ability to break down the defense. And, uh, you know, it was more about missing some of those front court pieces when Anthony Davis is going really nuts. You'd love to have a Stephen Adams or a Brandon Clark in that situation. So there's going to be tough matchups with the Warriors. They need victories. They need road victories for sure. Uh, but I think if you're Memphis, uh, you know, you're going to be glad you're back off the road. You're back at that uh, FedEx Forum where the crowd's always uh, behind those guys. And uh, hopefully the, the, there can be a real level of support for the players who are out there on the court. Because frankly, I, I think they need it right now.
0: In, in terms of, because you've been around them, and, and you, know, you mentioned it, you, you talked to Taylor Jenkins there about the timetable. Like, just as someone who covers the league and, and has seen and, and, and talked to people in these situations, how would you rate the way the Grizzlies have handled the John Morant situation as an organization?
1: Well, they have not been very forthcoming. And so as a media member, that's been a little bit frustrating because the, the constant mantra is, we want to keep it in-house, we want to keep it in-house. And there's obviously a, you know a real need for privacy in these types of situations. I totally get that. Uh, But you have to balance that with the public accountability, right? you got a lot of Memphis Grizzlies fans who've paid for tickets, who pay for cable packages to watch this group. Uh, You know, this is a a rising team. You know, John Morant's one of the faces of the league, you know, going forward the next 10 years. So there's going to be a huge desire from the public to understand exactly what's going on. And for the Grizzlies to sort of not really call this a suspension, to say, hey, we're going to kind of milk this along. You know, it's two games, and then it's an extra four games, and then we're going to reassess. And for, you know, people not to understand exactly where the NBA stands either in terms of their investigation, I think it winds up, you know, being kind of confusing to everyone. And I think also at the same time, uh, you know, there's some concern level towards Ja the person, right? When, when the Grizzlies come out and say, well, this is going to be a healing process. He knows he needs help. I mean, that, that's serious language, right? I mean, those are, those are some things that you would say about someone who's going through a really difficult spell in their life and, and maybe has some issues uh, that are, you know, big off the basketball court. And I understand the privacy need there as well, but I think if I'm an observer of the Memphis Grizzlies right now, I'm just very confused, and I'm not sure they've gotten through their messages as clearly maybe as they could have um, or as forcefully as they could have. And one of those points I would like to see them address is what they could have done better, right? Because we have a a couple incidents from last summer that did not lead to police charges involving John Moran. You had this incident with the Indiana Pacers, which I think kind of blew everybody's mind. It's like, what what happened? What are people talking about? Um, And there was no punishment uh, that we know of publicly for John Moran uh, after any of those previous incidents. And so, you know, one question I asked Taylor Jenkins was, um, is there anything you guys could have done differently? So you didn't get to this point, right? Because it's right before the playoff. It's a crucial time of the season. You don't have your best player. And maybe there were some warning signs along the way that could have been avoided if you had handled things differently. And he just gave me nothing. You know, it was a blank wall. And it said, oh, yeah, well, we do have those kinds of conversations about trying to get better. And he just leave it, uh, left it at that. And I would just encourage them, you know, once they're back home in Memphis and, and some of the dust settles a little bit and some of the outrage over that video calms down a little bit, I would encourage them to rethink exactly how they're communicating to their fan bases because I think fans want answers, and I think fans deserve answers here.
2: No, we're with you 100%, and that's sort of been their style now for, for a while to be as hazy as possible. Just think, That's the thing, Ben. You just keep the questions coming when you do that. When you leave it up to speculation and everything else, you're going to go right back out there and ask them the next time the timetable. It just, again, it seems like you're, it's self-inflicted. I, I want to explore the part about the NBA investigation that you're Do you think now that there are no charges, that the, there, there's a likelihood perhaps that the, the NBA would be willing to stick to whatever, you know, the Grizzlies determine is the proper amount of time away that they haven't, to your point, even labeled a suspension? Or because you mentioned the Indiana Pacers incident, there has been an investigation before, so technically the second investigation of Ja and a gun incident, do you think because of that they may feel a need to, to weigh in with additional when it comes to a, po- a possible suspension?
1: Well, you know, the Grizzlies did say they fully uh, cooperated with the NBA's investigation. They said John Moran's been fully compliant, and that's an important detail. Um, You know, I I think you can get yourself in real trouble with the NBA if you're not participating in their investigation and and giving the information over. So I think that's a a good step. Personally, I think this is going to be a collaborative process. I think it's such a big deal given John's star power Mm -hmm. that it can't just be left to the Grizzlies, and it's not just going to be kind of an Adam Silver call, Um, That's not really his style anyways. You know, he's usually trying to partner with the players, partner with the teams to sort of have the best uh, solution for everybody involved. Now, getting cleared of of charges in Colorado is a big deal, right? Because that's going to prevent him from having a legal saga that could, you know, uh, wind up, you know, dominating headlines for quite a while. But we don't necessarily know if he's cleared from the NBA standpoint in terms of breaking some really serious rules, right? Was that his gun? Was it on a plane? Was it on a team bus? Um, you know, Was it on him as he's traveling with his teammates? Was it an arena, a practice facility? Any of those things can get him into real trouble, as we saw with Gilbert Arenas. And so that, I'm sure, is going to be the focus of the NBA's investigation. I mean, obviously everyone wants to know, what happened in that video? Like, why was he you know, dancing in that club, no sure, with the gun by his head and all that stuff? Uh, but I think the NBA is going to be much more concerned about, okay, well, when did he first come into contact with that gun, and exactly where did that gun go? Because if it was in a um, an NBA facility, there's a clear precedent there of a major, major suspension, and we saw that with Gilbert Arenas. You know, and, and you would hate for something like that to happen, and, and hopefully, you know, that that was not the case with John Morant. But you know, we're gonna have to wait to see what the NBA investigation uncovers.
0: Yeah, and, and look, maybe this is maybe this is jaded, maybe this is a naive question to ask, but is there any consideration? Um, any part of this, I, I don't think Adam Silver wants to suspend John Morant. I just don't think that's something that, you know, with the playoffs coming up, his his status, his rise, like he has been a young face of this league. So I don't think there is this desire to get John Morant. So how do you balance sort of that if we agree that's true versus what happened, and, and, and should that be a part of the equation? Is it part of the equation, or is this a deal where you're totally you know, objective and you know, you're know you going to try to do and, and find a w- whatever you can?
1: Well, I'd say, first of all, Adam Silver never wants to suspend anyone, right? I mean, he's like, you, you go back to high school, the friendly teacher, right? Like that guy who just wants the best out of all of his students and <laughs> there to be supportive, and he'll stay late a couple hours to help you with your homework and wants you to be on the right track. like. That's his default personality. He's not this punitive guy like David Stern, who was, you know, in, in some cases almost like relishing challenges or relishing opportunities to punish people. That's just not Adam Silver's personality. However, this is a big deal, right? There's a lot of people who are really, really upset. There was significant backlash to that video from John Moran, and there's also this issue of well, was there a track record of violent behavior or threatening comments? that the NBA would have to uh, address as well. so there's going to be real pressure on Adam Silver to not go lightly here. Uh, you, you, I think if John Morant somehow you know it would it would just come right back after this next four games off and he just pops up next week and plays, I think you would see a significant uh, pushback from media members and from you know members of the fan base, whether it's online or elsewhere saying, "Hey, wait a minute, he just went away. He took a timeout for ten days, and now we're just going to call it good. I, I think people would find that unsatisfactory. So, Adam Silver is going to have to strike a balance between upholding the standards of his league, you know, making sure that people, fans, and, and media observers who are just, you know, not comfortable with guns being a part of the league's image, uh, are heard, and then also, you know, treating uh, John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies fairly a- at a time like this. But you know, this speculation, this idea that he could miss the entire regular season, like I don't think that's completely out of bounds. I haven't heard anyone say that specifically to me that that's what they're looking at. Uh, But, you know, this is a serious deal. You know, Gilbert Arenas missed 50 games for what he did. um, And and I think the length of the the suspension or the way that the NBA handles it will be determined by what they find in their investigation. You know, if that gun is in places it's not supposed to be, uh, I think there's already a hard line. There's already a standard that they can point to and say, look, sorry, man. Like, we hate to do this to you, but, like, you you screwed up. Like, you know, we we have to do it. You kind of pushed our hand here a little bit. Uh, and if there's a more innocuous situation and circumstances around that gun, uh, maybe it will make uh, for a speedier recovery. But, I mean, just try to picture it in your head. John Morant's on the court next week. How are people reacting to that? I mean, you saw how how, uh, how crazy it got last weekend when that video was first posted. I think you did a lot of that again because not enough time had passed.
2: Ben, which of those two L.A. teams you got the most confidence in as things stand right now, Clippers or Lakers?
1: Ne- neither. Get them, get them both out of here, man. Get them both out of here. i right? <laughs> So no, I'm joking, because I, I have to watch these guys a lot, and both those teams have been through soap opera seasons, man. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers, it's like, you know, trying to get rid of Russell Westbrook, they finally do it, then LeBron gets hurt. With the Clippers, it's the most Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team you've ever seen. You know, one night they look amazing, the next night they look like they hate each other and that there's no chemistry, and I just I don't really have too much faith in either one of them, but... That's part of the story in the Western Conference, right? Like, who really inspires you guys? Like, who gets you excited to say, oh, yeah, they could really win this conference? You know, part of the reason why, if you're the Grizzlies, you know, and you're talking about ways to lick your wounds here, you say, well, look around. Everybody's struggling in this West right now. There's no amazing team that's running away with things. If you had asked me yesterday, I would have said Phoenix might have the inside track. Well, Kevin Durant might be out for the next month with his ankle injury, right? And that completely is a game-changer for them, so... Uh, the field is wide open. You know, Denver has probably been the steadiest team But I, I think that they're not necessarily viewed as an overwhelming favorite uh, So it's it's just part of the deal here in the West both in LA and for the entire conference It's just like it's days of our lives every day the story changes You just can't get your hands around these teams.
0: We're talking to Ben Golliver, covers the NBA for the Washington Post Nice enough to join us here on the show and because of all the things you just laid out my default setting is until they prove to me they're not gonna do it. I just assume the Warriors are gonna come out of the West again. <laughs> like I, I hear I, you, man. Like I, I and or I, I know on the road and though. I know their road. I know they're road woes. But like my 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 gut is like when it matters. If there's a team that can flip a switch and do it when it matters, it's that one. And I feel like they will if they have everybody on the court. I feel like they will.
1: Totally. Well, people are forgetting how long they haven't had Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he's such a stabilizing presence for them, and he's been out for personal reasons for a while. They're winning a lot of these road games that they've lost recently if they've got Wiggins on the court. He's their second best player right now, so let's not overlook that fact. I think to boost your argument, this team has won road games against every single playoff opponent it's faced, like going back to the start of their dynasty. You know, they yep. always win a road game every single series. They closed out the finals last year on the parquet floor uh, in Boston, right? So. There is a lot of focus on oh they can't win on the road oh it seems like Denver's got this amazing road record right well it only takes one right you steal game one or two boom now you've got home court advantage and they are so tough to beat yep. up there at Chase Center uh, I'm with you their their starting five still amazing lots of questions with their bench who's going to step up a lot of guys who frankly I just don't trust when I'm watching them or a guy like Kaminga just drives me crazy with some of his decision making and, and you know in big moments and. They're probably going to have to wean themselves off some of those younger guys as they get closer uh, to prime time in the playoffs. But this is what's so fascinating about the Warriors. If you told me they got bounced in round one and it was sort of like those Kobe, Dwight Howard, Lakers teams that just kind of blew up at the end of their run and it was complete chaos, I would believe that. You know, you got uh, Draymond Green out here talking trash to everyone, punching a teammate to start the season. I mean, all this different stuff. I could see the dramatic uh, ending where it just all kind of goes kaboom and then uh th- their roster splinters a little bit this summer but i could also see them going back to back like you've described where it's just like that veteran savvy steph curry's averaging 35 points across the postseason nobody can stop them and you know we're right back to where we were you know at the heights of the dynasty i could really see either scenario and we rarely see- say that about teams right i mean usually you you think all right well if they're a real contender they're at least going to be able to uh, you know make like the western conference finals and I think there's a real chance Golden State goes out in round one this year, and, and uh, I've never felt that way really since Steph, uh, Steph's rise. And
0: then last thing, um, I'm sure by now you've – because you mentioned it, you've seen the Draymond comments on, uh, on Dylan Brooks. <laughs> How many games should he be suspended for that blindside block uh, in Spear of Dylan? I, I'm, I'm thinking at least five, right?
1: Well, here's the deal, guys. I have this uh, philosophy called radical transparency, and I think every once in a while it's good that if you just get it off your chest, if you're a public figure, and let people know where you stand. A perfect example of this was Fred Van Vliet last night. I don't know if you saw his rant, but he just went off on the rust for like three minutes straight. He's dropping every profanity in the book, but he's being radically transparent. You know exactly where he stands and what his issues are. And I think that's how Dylan Brooks lives his life. And I think there should be more people out there who live their life like that. You know, there's a lot of buddy-buddy stuff in the NBA. There's a lot of generic praise, oh, yeah, we respect this guy. And, and, you know, kind of deep down you you think probably they don't feel that way. But when you're honest about how you feel, when you just kind of go out there, say it with your chest and and plant your flag, look what could happen. It was a brilliant rant in response uh, from Draymond Green, but it was also, you know, a pretty entertaining set of comments from Dylan Brooks and at some point, you know, there those guys are going to have to answer for it, right? There's going to be a matchup at some point down the road where they get to duel on the court. That's what it's all about. So, to me, I would way rather we not suspend guys for these comments and we let them settle it on the court than kind of get into some of this, uh, you know, this, this nonsense. Uh, you know, we've been dealing with, like, a guy like John Morant here over the last six months, man. Let's, let's have some nice beef, some smoke on the court. Let's, uh, you know, let's get the whoop that trick song going at FedEx Forum. Let's have... uh you know, a good time like we had in last year's playoffs, and, and let's leave the serious stuff uh, for somebody else.
0: Right? And to that point, I, I mean, I, I think you got to love and respect the fact that Draymond put that video out before the game and not after, right? I mean, right. he, he well, set it up.
1: You, you, you want to go to the game tonight, don't you? I yeah, mean, absolutely. I mean, everybody in the city's lo- looking forward to that one, so that's, it's, uh, it's good for business, too, I think. As long as you're uh, keeping it to words, not actions, I think that kind of stuff is good for business, and it's uh, good for storylines and it's good for competition. And we learned this this season, by the way, the difference in quality of play before the All-Star break versus after the All-Star break is night and day. These teams out here are playing so much harder mm-hmm. since All-Star weekend over these last couple of weeks. It it was bothering me, the effort level, uh, often. You know, During this regular season, people seemed like they were coasting, maybe they were out of gas. And I think sometimes commentary like this, it stokes the fires, and, and I, I'm expecting a good game tonight. So... uh I want to keep that uh, that energy going here during the stretch run of the playoffs as everybody's fighting for seeding and trying to get into that postseason.
0: Absolutely, Ben. Great, great stuff. stuff, man. Appreciate Thank you so as always.
1: Much. All right, gentlemen, take care.
0: Thanks. He is Ben Goliver. Covers the NBA for the Washington Post. Uh, good stuff from him, as always. And 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 look, he said he you know he feels like this is a, a moment for the NBA to you know potentially come down uh, so severely. We'll see what they find, what they know, if they, you
2: know. They said, too, that silver doesn't, you know, doesn't typically like to do that. Right. So...
0: Live Love Memphis Group at the Real Estate Agency. Hey, if you are thinking about it, maybe it's that time for you, but the conditions in the market are giving you a second thought. Reach out to our friends at the Live Love Memphis Group at the Real Estate Agency because they are here to take you through the whole process and make it so easy. Everybody I've ever talked to about the Live Love Memphis Group when I'm out in public... They just rave about them. They just tell me how easy they made it, how much money they made them, the kind of offers they got, and that's what they do. Like, it's real. We're not just, you know, we don't believe in endorsing people that we don't believe in or trust and who don't get results. That's what the good folks at Live, Love, Memphis do time after time. So if this is speaking to you, reach out.
2: Sold at LiveLoveMemphis.com. Yeah, in this case, got personal experience with them. Jennifer says she's asked a lot, did you really sell Jason Spence home? Yes. Not telling you a lie. Yeah, she came right in, said, you don't have to do that long laundry list of things you thought you had to. You don't have to sink thousands of thousands in just to get it on the market. No fool. Do this, this, this. We're going to sell it for this. And that's what happened. I promise you. The price she said originally that we would sell it for is what we did. And that's what she's so good at. You're not going to be stuck on the market, even in a much different market than it was four years ago, having to decrease the price. Now you're on there for much, paying a mortgage. That's a bad situation. You'll never see that with Jennifer Carson and her team. They're the best at what they do, so call them up 625 5200. Again, 625 5200. Or you can email her team at sold at Again, that's sold at It is the live love Memphis and live love DeSoto teams at the real estate agents.
0: Uh, just some updates on the conference tournaments Michigan gone. See ya in tough. the national invitational tournament.
2: Tough year for Jawan. Yep,
0: for sure. They had that one
2: run, right? Yeah, early. Yeah, that's first year. Pick too, pick too early. I'm saying. I mean, that I mean, team I'm should sure be. It, a, it's gonna buy you some time, but they'll get mad, they'll get mad at you. Quick how, much up there. Did mm-hmm. how much time it buy Kevin Ollie? How much time it buy Kevin Ollie?
0: He won the championship. You remember that? Yeah. But because Juwan is a Michigan man, obviously, and he's a member of the Fab Five, he's he's fine, but that that program got a little soul search to do. Like their guards need to be better than they are. I mean, it, they should just have better guards than, than what they've got. I mean, they have, you know, Juwan's kids who are decent players, but I just don't I don't I mean, they you know, Michigan used to have Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway, like they used to keep a guard under B line, mm-hmm. like Juwan's got to upgrade that position. As far as I'm concerned, no. Why? Why shouldn't he? Why couldn't he be able to do that in the transfer portal?
2: You know. You know, Holly went to UConn. He the, was one of them too. Wow. Wow. And that guy's super sideways. That is cutthroat. Mm-hmm. That is. He
0: man man won a championship. They fell off fast. But still, he didn't get much longer than that, did he? Maybe two, three years?
2: Yeah, it got sideways. did yeah. he want a suit against them, too. I, I think. think so, for yeah. Sounds right. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used
0: to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears?
1: Well, for one, they're listening to audio.
0: Americans spend
1: 4.4 hours with audio
0: every day. Oh, and you want the proof?